Amen. With passion, with excitement, with joy that's uncontainable. Amen. Hallelujah. If you would tonight go around, shake somebody's hand, maybe introduce yourself to someone you don't know, welcome them to church.
dry bones and we see an army arise and live. Come on, sing it out tonight. We see dry bones, we see an army. beautiful to us. Your love never fails. Come on, just speak out to him tonight. We love you, Jesus. We're the working of the One with God and the Lord most high. Hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name it is! What a beautiful name it is! The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. That name of Jesus. Didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. 
nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Come on, church, tonight. Lift your hands tonight. Let's declare tonight how powerful our King is. How powerful the name of Jesus is. It's by no other name that we are saved. It's by no other name that we are healed, that we are set free, but only the name of Jesus. It's powerful, church. It's powerful. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. is alive. Yes. Amen. Yes. So are the weeds and the flowers and all the winter work. But <laughs> hallelujah. We're glad you're here. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Yes. And I believe tonight is going to teach you some nuggets that you're going to be able to use. And uh, that's all there is to it. So all what right. do you got? Well, we want to welcome all the live streamers yeah, that have joined with us tonight. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. We're, we're happy that you're watching. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. We'll still be here, but we're happy that you're watching. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, if you're here for the very first time, raise your hand real high. Mm. And let's see if we have some like? new people. New? All right. There All we right. Go. All homegrown. All right. Okay. Now, we're going to uh, show a couple of things. Now, in uh, the end of, no, I guess, yeah, the end of April, April 25th at 6 a.m., the live stream will uh, begin to uh, take place during a teaching I'm going to be doing on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6 a.m. I'm going to be sharing insights on the miraculous. And uh, I don't know how long it's going to last. I, it may go a year. I, I don't know how long. And uh, But uh, we it's going around the world, and uh, we'll have lots of people from around the world joining us. And... Uh, but if you're going to try to replace this with sun, Sunday, I'll cut it off. <laughs> don't don't mess with me. Yeah. I, I'll cut it off. You can't replace that with Sunday. I know yeah. people people do. You can't do it. Hallelujah. So, but I'll shut it off because I I I do it, and so. <laughs> but I want you to do it. But 
not sacrifice your faithfulness to come. Right. Okay. And uh, then uh, we've got some other events that you might be want to be informed on. Please read your bulletin on Sunday morning because we're going to quit really dealing with everything. Right. We're, right. Yeah, we're just, you know. Uh, somebody told me the other day, don't you have mature people in your church? I said, yes. They said, can they read? They said, yes. Then why do you take all that time announcing? I said, well, I don't know. So we're not school children. We're adults. Amen. 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 And uh, you want to be involved? Get involved. So look and at then, your bulletin. Yeah, and you can uh, follow us and get all that information also right. on the uh, Facebook or Twitter. And so please be a part of that. But, oh, and next week we're going to be having with us Dr. Pat Wilson. Wow, what a great guy. He did a great job last time he was here. I'm, I was, I'm just really encouraged, Pat. And uh, so it's going to be Wednesday, April the 5th at 7 p.m. You don't want to miss this great guy. He is just, he has a lot of humor. Yeah. He doesn't smile, but he has a lot of humor, <laughs> doesn't he? It's he does. just like, what do you call that, dry humor or? I don't know if it'd be called dry humor. I don't know, but he's funny. <laughs> All right, so, but right now, let's give our attention to the screen. We're going to discover a couple of things that are going on. Join us for our Good Friday service on April 14th at 6.30 p.m., our Sunrise Communion Miracle service on April 16th at 7 a.m., and our Easter Celebration service on April 16th at 10 a.m. During these services, we will be reflecting on the crucifixion and celebrating the resurrection of our Lord through song, scripture, and prayer. We can't wait to see you there. out there everybody here we are once again to inform everyone out there about the upcoming 13-week session of divorce care classes that will be starting soon divorce care is an open environment where you can feel comfortable being who you are right now you can laugh cry complain reminisce vent it just gets the trash out so you can begin to heal yep and that reminds me of another perk of divorce it's better than death well unless it's his yeah, well, we're still a work in progress. So pick up one of our flyers in the foyer or go to the website, obmcc.org. Find us on Facebook at OBM Divorce Care for upcoming dates, times, and locations. Or stop us in the hallways and just ask. We're not so bad once you get to know us, at least not one of us. Hey, OBM family and friends. All throughout the year, we designate offerings for all kinds of things. Mostly they're for outreaches. They might be in a local community, in a city square, or even overseas. Why do we do this? Well, simply put, lost people matter to us. We've also taken up a special offering for several years that is used for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is for the needs of the house, God's house. This year, we need to focus on the dreaded parking lot. It's been many years since we've had to concentrate on the blacktop, but as you can see, we can no longer fill holes and do minor patch jobs. The cracks are just too deep and the blacktop is falling apart. The entire blacktop part of the parking lot and driveway needs replaced. Our goal is a minimal amount of $50,000 to repair the blacktop portion of the parking lot. Now our congregation is made up of over 500 families. That's awesome. So we are asking that each family take a yellow Easter envelope, put it somewhere at home where you can pray and discuss how much you would like to give between $1 and $500. You may want to give more, and of course, that's fine with us. Now, you may give your Easter offering on Easter Sunday in the sunrise service or the 10 a.m. service. 
Now, if you're going to be out of town and you want to give sooner or later than Easter Sunday, just please remember to use your yellow envelope for this special offering. Thank you so much in advance for helping keep your church, God's house, in tip-top shape and looking good for those that need this light in the middle of the cornfield. God bless and happy Easter. And that's right, happy that's Easter. Right. Praise God. No bunnies. Okay. No, uh, what else do they do up here? Rabbits, ducks, chickens. <laughs> Remember the year we got two ducks? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no more ducks for we us. We kept Hallelujah. them in our basement. Yes, we did. Oh, we, well, first we kept them upstairs. Then they drove us crazy. And we would put them in the tub and let them swim around. One about died. Pete had to, you had to resurrect it back to life, didn't you? You did. He let it stay in there so long that it, the water got cold and it froze. Yeah, he had, he had hypothermia. <laughs> Tried to put him in the microwave. Just didn't leave no, him in there long not, enough. He did no, not. no, I did. No, uh, uh, but we raised chickens when we were in Anderson, out of Parker. Oh, when I'm Nikki, telling you, her we, first Easter, we bought chickens till they got so big, man, they kept jumping out of the box and knocking the screen <laughs> off. We had to give them to a farmer. And uh, thank God for people that take, yes, yeah, (laughs) and uh, no, so, uh, yeah. But no chickens, no ducks, no nothing. No nothing, that's right, praise God, absolutely. (laughs) And David tried to give me one, when was it, last year? No, David, don't come to our house, son, we won't be shooting ducks, we'll be shooting David. (laughs) All right, so, hey, we're going to receive our tithe and offering. If you need an offering envelope, please raise your hand up real high as you give, it's going to be given back to you. I do, as I said last week, I believe that giving is one of the great frontiers that faith has never invaded. And by that, I mean that I don't think that anybody has ever touched the depth of God's response to a cheerful giver. I don't think that it can be measured. I don't think that it can be recorded because God simply goes above and beyond. Just like the tithe, as we tithe tonight, God opens up the windows of heaven, pours out upon us a blessing that we cannot contain. In other words, a lifetime is not big enough to contain God's response to the faithful or God's response to a man's tithe. And a tithe is symbolic of wholeness. It is symbolic of him. It is like the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments cover the whole spectrum of man spiritually, uh, emotionally or soullessly and physically it covers his relationships it covers his family structure it covers his worship and so 10 is always the number of completeness or fullness so when we give our complete heart to god we give god the fullness of our life then god responds and god responds in a way that man cannot comprehend god is waiting for somebody to sell out to him so that god can sell out to that man And so, as we give tonight, we give our seeds. Let's expect them to be multiplied, sown, given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men and women will give in our bosom. But we also, as we tithe, the windows of heaven are going to be open. That's just what happens. And so, as we do these things, let's expect God's very best for our life. Amen? Okay, let's hope we got more givers tonight than that. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet and bring your tithe and offering unto the Lord.
praise God. All righty. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk to you tonight about the devil. I've probably had more emails about the devil and sin in my life as a pastor and evangelist that it's sometimes it gets crazy. You talk about the devil, everybody says, oh, I don't want to hear about the devil. He loves that attitude. And then when you talk about sin, I mean, I've had people tell me, Pastor, would you please call me when this sin series is over? I just can't stand it. And uh, we need to find out things that bother us. Amen? Amen. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse 15 through 20. Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Oh, I'll tell you what. Let's not go there. Let, let's kind of break this up. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, and the same became mighty men, which were of old men and of renown. Now, when people talk about demons, they use sometimes this as an offshoot of you know, giants that were in the land. But let's realize that Goliath had five brothers, four brothers, and Goliath. So out of all these seeds that came through these so-called sons of God, which some classify as angelic beings, you can find that in the Dick's Reference Bible, which I do not agree with everything that Dick says. But he says this, you can find that they mated with the sons of the daughters of men. Now, I'm sure that there were over five daughters of men, and I'm sure that out of all the angelic host and all of this free love, that there would have been more than six seeds. So let's just understand that it's impossible for angels to have sexual relationships with man. Jesus said that when we're in heaven that we are not, that we become as the angels, and the angels do not procreate. Do they have the ability? No. Do they have the ability to do waste or anything of that nature? No, they don't need it. And so some of these preconceived ideas that we have these great teachings off of are just unexplainable 
but we don't need to explain anything that's not in the scripture. If it's not there, then we accept it as face value. So in order for us to use this and to create a doctrine of where devils came from or demons came from, then what we would have to understand is that we would have to paint a picture out of more than one or two verses that say something about that. The other translation or other concept of that is that the sons of God were the sons of Seth. They were the Sethonites. They were the people that served God, and they came out and knew common women. And so giants were born. So, but we have to understand that it's nothing that changed the face of the earth, and it's nothing that changes uh, our salvation. So when it comes to where do demons come from, are demons fallen angels, or are they disenlodged souls of fallen men? It doesn't matter. You don't, I don't, and no theologian has enough scripture to conjure up a doctrine that is truthful enough for us to embrace. There are none. So there's no sense in us trying to figure it out. You know, could an angel inhabit a human body? Well, I don't believe that they come. They can. Well, where do you think an angel's come from? It's not important what I think. I'm telling you, you don't and I don't have enough to establish a doctrine. But what we do know and what we do have is that they are demons. They are extensions of Satan, his plan, and his nature. That's what we know. And so there's no sense in you, or nor do you have to understand all of those things. So it, the church is a mystery. The Trinity is a mystery. Man is a mystery. You know, how the bones in a womb are formed are a mystery. There's lots of mysteries that you're not going to understand. But don't try to make some teaching up to justify what you want to believe. Amen. I don't care if they're fallen or disenlodged uh, souls of fallen men. I don't care if they're fallen angels. All I know is that when I command in the name of Jesus, they're coming out. Amen. That's all that I have to know. Amen. So we're going to talk about some things about the devil uh, and demons along the same way. It says demons are spirits, they are spiritual beings, and they are personalities. They reflect the character or the nature of that spirit. Now, just like you and I, we are human beings, and we are part of humanity. And so you and I have a physical body. Now, demons do not have physical bodies. Not that they cannot become physical beings, but angels can do that because many entertain angels like strangers. They can eat. We know that. They can serve and deliver food as they did to Elijah. They can handle a sword as they did in the camp of, of uh, Israel's enemy and slew 85,000 in just a matter of hours. So we know that they can become tangible, but it is not their nature 
to be tangible. So they are spirits where you and I are physical beings. Now, we have a physical body, and this physical body is a house or a dwelling place for our spirit. Now, demons and devils do not have that, and Satan doesn't have that. So we understand that their greatest desire is that they have a place to manifest their personality or to manifest their characteristics. So in the reason we know this is in Matthew 7th chapter, verse 15, says this, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. Notice the definition of that. You have a false prophet, and then you have sheep's clothing, something that looks to be like a sheep, but on the inward, they are ravaging wolves. In other words, the outside of something does not really determine what's on the inside. Next verse, it says this, And ye shall know them by their what? Fruits, personalities, things that they produce. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? And it says, so, even so, every good tree bringeth forth what? Good fruit. But corrupt trees bringeth forth evil fruit. And a good tree cannot, cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. So, every demon spirit, every fallen angel, everything of principalities, power, spiritual wickedness, and rulers in heavenly places have personalities. And all you have to do is judge them. Take them through the screening process. Put them up against the word. The Bible says in John 3, 18, 19, that people don't come to the light, lest there be, their deeds be wrought, that they are not found in God. And men hate, love wicked deeds, and they hate the light. And so we understand that every spiritual personality, talking about demons, talking about uh, fallen angels, have to do with the kingdom of darkness, but we can know them by their fruits. And if you would know them by their fruits, in other words, they have personalities. Let's go to John, the 8th chapter, and verse 39. John 8, 39. So we're talking about demons and devils. The biggest thing in the church is that even in the United States of America, we, if you go to another country, uh, a third world country, uh, you will see a lot of different types of manifestations of witchcraft, of witches, of curses, and things of that nature. Now, we would say, oh man, those are strongholds. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They are not strongholds. The stronghold is the Western culture. See, the Western culture is so deceived that it does not believe that devils, demons, 
have personalities or are even in existence. We are too intelligent. That is the plan of the devil, deceive, deception. He is the deceiver. He comes as an angel of light. So everything that we know about the devil or anything like that, we really are deceived about it. And we invite the devil in because we don't believe he exists. We invite him into our nations. We invite him into our homes. We invite him into our kids' lives. I believe one of the greatest perpetrators of demonic influence in the world today are simply our higher levels of learning education. And you say, well, what do you, well if you want to see what the devil's doing, just look at your college campuses. Absolutely. If you want to find out what the devil is doing, is he is perpetrating an overthrow of a generation. That's what it's doing. And so these higher places of learning that used to be really theological places. Yale used to be a theological seminary. You go to, uh, what's another one? Harvard. Harvard. Uh, all of these used to be a theological colleges. But now they're just dens of devils. And that's all there is to it. And whenever you can take a human life through abortion or to justify hatred or anything like that, all in the name of humanity or society, there's something wrong with the basic core of your existence. Could I get an amen? You know, we say save the whale, pay $19 for a hungry dog, and killed children up towards 60 million so far. And uh, so we, we realize we do have a financial problem in America. That's because we keep slaughtering its tax base. And uh, all in the name of personal goals or personal achievements. And uh, you say, well, I, I just don't think abortion. I really don't much care what you think. I, I, just, I just really don't care. Murder is murder. And if you take a human life, it's a human life. You say, oh, it's not a, a seed until, uh, you know, so many weeks. Really? Well, how's come even now they're suing for the rights of a woman to have her eggs? Her and her husband are in a custody fight, movie stars, over the sperm that they had frozen. Why? Because those, person, those sperms are life. And they say, no, 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 that's seed. That's going to produce a child. Absolutely not. No, no, you, you can't speak out both sides of your mouth. Amen. 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 Look, it, we believe that life begins even before conception. We believe that life begins before the foundations of the earth. Amen. All right. So I just really don't much care. All right. Anyway, John 8, 39, it says this. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the what? Works of Abraham. And now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. And ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Now remember that they wanted to stone Jesus for saying, that they, that he was the son of God, but they just entitled themselves as being the offspring of God. And then it says, and Jesus said to them, if God were your father, ye would love me. 
if I for I proceeded forth and came forth from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. And why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil. Somebody say the devil. Now, every unborn person in this world is born or is the child's seed. Just like everybody that's born again is the seed of God. People that do not know Christ, have not received him as a personal savior, are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. He was in it, but he did not stay there because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. One more verse. Which of you convicteth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Now, how did Jesus know that these people were the children of the devil? Because of their outward expressions or outward works. Right? Okay, absolutely. So you know that when you're not loving your brethren, you're considering you're acting like a devil. All right. Now, we as human beings have bodies that have senses, and these really are influenced by the spirit that dwells on the inside of us. If we take away the spirit, our body is dead. In James 1, I mean James 2.26, it says, Just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So if you take away our spirit, we are dead. Now, you could cut off my arms, my legs, pluck out my eyes, cut off my ears. You could do all that, and I could still live. I might not have my senses, but I would still be alive. Amen? Because I'm a spirit, and what my body is, is the housing of that spirit. It's the housing of that spirit. So if we understand that the devil doesn't have senses, he doesn't have a way to project himself, he doesn't have a way to express himself, now we see the importance of him finding a place to live. Now, let's uh, look at a couple of scriptures. Go to uh, Philippians 1.20. Philippians 1.20. Paul says this about this. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Next verse. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is a fruit of my labor. Yet what I choose, I would not. For I am in a strait between two. I have desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. For having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for the furtherance and the joy of your faith. Now, Paul speaks about him abiding in the flesh. Now, he talks about him abiding in the flesh. 
He makes an abode in the physical body. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 1. And then we'll close this section and get into some of the things into about spiritual beings. 2 Corinthians 5, 1. Going once. Getting ready to get David's Bible. Going twice. There you go. For we know that if our earthly house, somebody say, that's my body. Your body is known as your earthly house. What dwells in your earthly house? Somebody say, my spirit. Amen? So when we see somebody acting or reacting, what are we seeing in them? Their spiritual makeup. Who is on the inside of them? Who is controlling their life? Right? That's what we're seeing. The body without the spirit is what? Somebody say dead. So what is the body? The body is a place of being an expression of the human spirit. That's why you know them by their fruit. And then it says this, of, if, of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens next verse for this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven if so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked now realize that you could be naked if you didn't have a tabernacle and so that we that are in this tabernacle do groan in this earthly body do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now, what's this talking about? This is talking about the new bodies that we have in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verse 40 down through like 53. Talks about that we have a new body. Talks about that it'll be a body that's swallowed up a death is swallowed up in immortality. And then, next verse, it says this, And that we, that he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, who's we? Who is we? Our spirit. Our spirit is who we really are. And it says, while we are home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Next verse. For we walk by faith, not by sight. For we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from this body, the home of our spirit, and to be present with the Lord. So we do see that this is a what I want to say, a temporary dwelling place because this body will be changed and be put off corruption and put on incorruption. So this body will be renovated and it will be an eternal home for our what? Somebody say, our spirit. Now, some would say, well, where does the soul go? The soul and the spirit are eternally joined together. We find that in Luke, the 16th chapter, where the rich man lifts up his eyes. Where are the senses? The senses are located in the soul of man. 
And so when he lifts up his eyes, when he can talk and so forth, all of those things express that his soul is there. Remember, don't fear him that can destroy the body, but that can cast the spirit and soul into everlasting fire. So they are the same. And when your spirit or your soul leaves your body, it drops dead. Okay. Now, demons do not have physical bodies, and that's why they seek to habitate something that gives them an expression of their selves. Let's go to Mark 5.1. We all know this pretty well. <clears throat> Remember that spirits inhabit bodies and they express their personalities. I think that probably the characteristics of this man's demon possession probably came by some type of sexual perversion or, you know, today we will call it pornography or whatever because of the perversion that he has going on his life and the shamelessness that he has in doing what he's doing in public. And understand, if you get this far in life and you get possessed, look, man cannot mend you. Medical science cannot get you delivered. Only Christ is your answer. Amen. Now, if we could really believe this, we would live in an attitude that we would not want to give any place to evil, seeing that evil will produce evil. And it says, And there came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. People had tried to help him. But because he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Now, this tells you that there is a supernatural strength, a supernatural entity, a supernatural personality inhabiting his body, using his body, and expressing itself beyond human capacity. And it says, And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones but when he saw Jesus afar off he ran and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice and said what have I to do with thee Jesus thou son of the most high God I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not now realize now we have something different now we see that devils can talk demons can talk they can exert supernatural strength. They can exert supernatural acts. And they know who Jesus is, and they do know their end. But they can talk. And it says, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? Now, Jesus didn't always talk to devils, but Christians have this lonely spirit about them that they want to talk to demons. What is that? Stupidity with a capital A plus. 
Why do you want, I know you've been listening to him because you tell me, oh man, the devil said this, the devil said that. Why do you keep sitting down and conversing with him? Just stop it. Amen? You start talking to a salesman at the front door, pretty soon he's at your kitchen table and you're signing a contract for a rainbow sweeper. Come on, stop it. But people sometimes think they're smarter than Jesus. Jesus only did this once. So you can't make a doctrine out of it. Jesus told multiple times devils to be quiet. Don't talk. And he says this, and he asked the man, he asked him, the spirit is talking, remember, not the man, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. And there was then nigh unto the mountain a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him. Somebody say all. Now we have all of them giving their voice. They besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down to a sweet place into the sea. And they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. Now, can demons enter in? to things that are not of human makeup. Well, yes, they can. Now, do I think all chihuahuas are demon-possessed? No. But I think they might be on the close list. No. No, I don't believe that. So, but could they? Yes. But we need not to make a doctrine out of, well, you know, I've heard people say this. You know, if you're in this place tonight, when I cast this devil out, if you're not saved, this devil could come in you. Well, maybe he could, maybe he couldn't. But you can't make blanket statements like that. Because dogs aren't saved. What if, what if our dog mascot of the church got possessed? Now, wouldn't that be terrible? With a blind devil. Wouldn't that be horrible? She just went around running into walls. But, but see, we do these things. They're super spiritual things. And they're just foolish things. Just foolish. And lots of what happens in the supernatural realm, just using. You know, Jesus never threw a coat. He didn't blow on people. He didn't wave people. He didn't tell them, are you ready, are you ready, and 50 people fall down. Jesus never done those, any of those shenanigans. Those are 21st manifestations of ignorance. Now, are you talking against nobody? I'm not talking against anybody. I'm just telling you we have no scriptural basis. And when people do those things, it brings shame and attack. It doesn't glorify Christ at all. And so, you know, maybe the first time you could be inspired and it could happen. But then when you start making a show of it or getting people to the point that they're almost psychosomatic, ready to respond to it, that's just simply weak people being manipulated by a weak manipulator. 
I, I'm just, I am just, I, I'm not being mean, and I'm not against anybody. But I am for the truth. And I am for the simplicity and the purity of the anointing. And I just never seen that in Jesus' life. Well, he said, I'm he, and they fell back. Well, anytime that you people come to you and say Jesus and they fall down, hallelujah. Amen. So, but some of this stuff is just pure shenanigans. And it's not good. All right. So, let's go to uh, demons desire to have expression. And we as Christians are to make sure that we do not give ourselves to them. Remember that our expression, that we give ourselves to God is good, to bless, to speak encouragement, to have conversation of uplifting to people, speaking to them in grace and so forth. But the spirit of the devil desires to destroy, desires to push forward hatred, lies, and division, and destroy and to do evil among men's lives. Now look, we are pretty intelligent people. And I have no idea why we just don't look at people and discern what they're about and to find out what spirit is behind them. I think the church gets so much manipulation in it and deception in it because we are too lazy to pay attention. I, I do. I believe that. Most things happen not because the devil has power, but because evil doesn't need much power. All it needs is a righteous to do nothing. That's all it needs. That's all it needs. Now, let's go to Matthew 12, 43. Matthew 12, 43. <clears throat> and it says, And when the unclean spirit is gone out of the man, he walketh through dry places. Now, somebody has said, well, you know, you can send the people, you can send the devil right back to hell. Well, Jesus never did that. Jesus never did that. And so, I just don't think you can. And, uh, okay, so we'll go back to hell from where you came from. He didn't come from hell. He came from a realm of the kingdom between the heavens of God and the first heaven of man. He came from the kingdom where Daniel described him, where the battle took place, and it's in the second heaven. It's not in the same heaven that God dwells in, and it's not in the same heaven of what we call where birds and oxygen and so forth exist. It is in the spans between the first heaven and the third heaven, and that's where the kingdom of darkness is. So you'd have to send him back to his home place. All right, dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Now notice that when he has a human body, he's at rest. He's at peace with himself. He's able to express himself. It's as if he has a purpose or task to accomplish, and he's not fulfilled until he fulfills it by inhabiting a human form. Then it says this. When he said, then he said, I will return into my what? Isn't that amazing that he even calls your body his house? His house. From whence I came out, and when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, 
and garnished. Then he goeth, then goeth he, and he taketh with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. Where? His old house. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it also be under this wicked generation. Now, I know we're talking about people that were possessed, but we all were the children of the devil. We need to take heed what it's saying right there. Because even a Christian born again, when that unclean spirit is taken out of him and God puts in us a clean spirit, Ezekiel 36, puts into us a clean spirit and a new heart, if you don't guard it, this is going to be your state. This is going to be your state right here. Sin is not worth the gamble. Could I get an amen? It's just not worth the gamble. Now, he goes out and he comes back. Why did he come back? Because he has no rest, no peace. He wants expression. He wants to express himself. The only way that he can get peace or expression is to have somebody's house. The only way he gets somebody's house is that the house has not been cared for or kept. So he'll come back. He doesn't go back with one. He goes back with seven other spirits. Now there is eight. Eight spirits come in and get into this individual's life or inhabit this house. In other words, it's a place where they become known as living. Your neighbors express certain things. Your neighbors do certain things. You know somebody's living in the house because the grass is kept or because, you know, the bread man stopped, whatever it might be. Well, when that spirit comes, he comes back with seven others. That's eight. And what does he do? He begins to demonstrate who has ownership. He begins to demonstrate his personalities. He begins to demonstrate it by actions, by speech, and so forth. All right, hallelujah. All right, let's go to uh, Matthew 9, 32. Uh, remember that spirits have personalities. And it says, And as they went out, behold, they brought him to him a man, a dumb man, possessed with a devil. And when the devil was asked to leave, cast out, the dumb did what? Spake. And the multitude marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. Now, what do you think that this man could not do with that dumb spirit? He couldn't talk. Why? That was the personality of that spirit. So since he couldn't talk, Jesus recognized, knowing its fruit, he cast out the dumb spirit. Amen? Not the spirit of epilepsy, the, but a dumb spirit. Remember the man that brought his son? He hath the deaf and dumb devil. And Jesus cast out the deaf and dumb devil. Why? Because they have personalities. Many times when I'm praying for the sick or something, I'll say, how did you go deaf? Uh, well, I went when I was a child. 
were you ever sick? Yeah, I had scarlet fever when I was, okay. I'm not dealing with the deaf devil. I'm dealing with the side effects of a spirit of infirmity. And if you talk to the wrong spirit and there's nobody in there, he'll just say, ain't nobody coming out. We ain't don't live here. So just read the signs. Listen to what's being said. Ask questions, not of the devil, of the people. All right, so uh, let's go to one more and then we're going to wrap it up. Matthew 12, 22. So Jesus cast out the dumb spirit and guess what? He spake. And it says, there was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. Blind and dumb? I thought just deaf and dumb. No, they can have all types of personalities. And they don't always fall into the cookie cutter. So here is a deaf, uh, uh, blind, and dumb spirit. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and what? saw as soon as the devil is evicted under the name of Jesus Christ immediately the man sees and can speak why because there's nobody at home he has lost his power over the house he can't express himself anymore so we as Christians are not afraid of devils just say I'm not afraid of devils don't ever be afraid of the devil. Oh, but he's a big one. He's a... No, he's still under your feet. He's no higher than your leather. And he's under your feet. You have the name of Jesus. And so we need to use that name and to cast him out. We don't have to be afraid of devils. And so, uh, you know, sometimes people will come and, oh, man, they're doing this. Oh, that's okay. Just go cast them out. But do I have to pray and fast? You have the authority of the name of Jesus. Now, hopefully you've been living right and you've been praying and fasting. But even at that, listen, the devil is a defeated foe. Just make sure that you're living right. You get sin. He that committeth sin becomes a servant of sin. And what we don't want is you run down the middle of the street naked and saying, I go to only believe ministry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Praise God. And the devil knows you. Don't, don't doubt that he knows you. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what you've done. And he knows that you are the one that's in charge and not him. So we'll take this up next week. And uh, so if you will, tonight, just get in small groups. And uh, for about five, ten minutes here, just talk about what we talked about. You know, and just say, you know, if... You know, do I believe in devils? Don't I believe in devils? Or, or talk about it. So let's discuss it and uh, try to get with people that you haven't talked to before. Okay, there you go. Let's get with it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get in a group. Praise God.